uh, on the ABC News website. And I was struck by the title of the, the article was Feeling Guilty for Catching COVID? Question mark. Here's how to manage it. Here's how to manage your guilt that you've caught COVID. So you've caught this disease and now you're feeling guilty about the fact that you may pass it on to someone else. And so the article is about how you deal and how you manage your guilt, how you set boundaries around that. And it strikes me that we can often cause ourselves to not experience all there is that God has for us because of this immense feeling of guilt that stops us from entering into his presence and entering into the joy. And I wonder if you've ever felt like debilitated by by guilt. I wonder if you've ever felt strangled by it. I wonder if you've ever felt so guilty and so bad about yourself and such anxiety that it actually stops you from feeling free. Free. You know those moments where you just... Full of joy, your hands are outstretched, and you're just feeling great. I wonder if you're thinking me, Mark, I haven't felt that way for a very long time. There is just so much noise, so much information in the world. This morning, uh, someone put on Twitter an advertisement and a very old a newspaper ad for a computer that you could buy for $5,995. This is back in 1970. $5,995. And that is an expensive computer today, uh, let alone back in the 70s. But here's the kicker. It had 10... Now, I, I, I don't know much about cricket. Some of you don't know much about computers, but I'll go there anyway. It had a 10 megabyte memory. Now, my phone has like 200 gigs on it, and that's a lot more. So uh, in, in the short space of time that we've had, information, there is so much information. And I, it's so good that you've chosen to be here this morning to draw aside. And uh, I'm watching those looking down at their phones that are distracted right now. Um, it's so good that you've drawn aside because there is so much information And you, right now, as people that live in this state, you are being bombarded with information about a whole raft of things. And it can distract you from what God is really wanting to say. And I don't want that. I want you to enter into his presence with joy. And so... This morning, our message is all about how Jesus is greater than your guilty conscience. And I've asked Gail. Uh, Gail is a member of our church and she leads our pastoral care team. And I've asked her to come and read to us Hebrews chapter 9. You can follow along or listen from the New Living Translation. and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. 
Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was the second room, called the Most Holy Place. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the Ark's cover, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time, for the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies. Physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. Christ is the perfect sacrifice. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For God, Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness.
That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth, who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Amen. You can see in the book of Hebrews the complexity and you can understand as uh, we had that scripture read to us that it was written to a people that had that system of religion in their lives. Um, Such a complex system revolving around sacrifice, revolving around altars and revolving around all different methods and things that they needed to do. And it can be easy to react in different ways to that scripture. And I wonder if you've ever read the book of Hebrews. Imagine trying to read the whole book in one sitting. It's such complexity. But that is because of of who it was written to and and the context that it was written in. And you can have a reaction where you, you have that read to you and you think, this has got nothing to do with me. This has got nothing to do with my life. These people were so different to me. And their experiences and what they did was so different that there's no relevance to me at all. You could also react in another way and you could say, well, this was how people back then related to God and this is how they had a relationship with God. So we need to do exactly the same and we need to build a temple and we need to build altars and we need to have sacrifices in this way. Neither of those responses is actually going to be helpful. What we do need to do is understand that those people that, were in the midst of that system were people just like you and me. And they were people that were desperate to, to know God. And no matter what you think about God, whether you deny him or whether you believe in him, whether you are a fully sold out believer in Jesus Christ and you know the truth of that, or whether you are really far from God, all of us human beings have inside of us an inbuilt desire for something that is greater than ourselves. And, and that is what they say is a God-shaped vacuum. Well, you need to know why you are here. Why am I here? And, and then there are things you do in your life that confuse you. Have you ever acted in a way that you thought, why am I doing that? I've upset this person. I've been really selfish. I've done the wrong thing. And this is not how I want to be. And this is not how I want to live my life. And I keep making the same dumb mistakes. All human beings, whether we admit it or not, 
we are responsible to God for how we live our lives. We are accountable to our creator. God has made us. Whether we believe that or not, you can deny it all you like, but we are created beings. And therefore, we are responsible to the Creator for how we live our lives. This system that was set in place all those years ago, which may seem strange to us, was part of that desire to, to be forgiven and to know God and, and, and to have a relationship with God. And it was a, a system that God had set up, but Jesus was going to replace. But nonetheless, there are still lessons for us to learn from it. What strikes me about the whole system was how exclusive it was. Like, if you were the high priest, you were, you were, you were fine. I mean, you could, if you were the high priest, you get to go into the Holy of Holies. You get to go into the very presence of God. You only get to go in there once a year. And you have to be a man. And you have to be chosen. But nonetheless, if you're the high priest, at least you get to go into God's presence. And into God's presence, he would go once a year. Uh, the, the, the atonement, asking God for forgiveness for the things they'd done that they knew and the, the sins they'd done that they didn't know. But imagine if you're not the high priest. Uh, and I don't think, I don't know if any of us, well, I don't think any of us qualify, right? So we're on the outside, we're sitting back and if we're a woman or we're a child or we're not of the right faith, if we're not of the right family, then we're sitting way back watching this whole thing take place. We're not invited in. This is not, uh, we're part of it. We get some of the benefits, but it strikes me that this is such an exclusive thing. We have to know our place. And what our place is. And so the system is it's not all it could be. It's not what it could be. And it's certainly not what it is now. In verse 1 to 8, we read there's this earthly sanctuary. Sanctuary or tabernacle had an outer place, the holy place, with the lampstand and the table and the bread. The holy of holies with the altar and the chest, with the relics and the, the carved cherubim above the, the altars. So complicated, so complex, so difficult. God's presence sealed off, only to be approached once a year, and then only by one person, and then only by the blood. Verse 8, the whole thing changes. And the writer to Hebrews wants us to know that this system was a system which was only for a time. And he wants the people, particularly the Jewish people that were reading this book, to know that the system was pointing to something deeper and something greater. And this is what I want us to know and what I want you to know. And this is why I think it's relevant for your life. Because in verse 8, the whole thing starts to change. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it replaced were still in use. What did Jesus say about the temple when he was with his disciples? He said, I'm going to tear this place down. And what happens when he's on the cross, separated from God? The veil to the Holy of Holies is torn down. It's ripped this whole system 
this exclusive nature, even God was, was saying that it was limited and it's not what his plan was. We go back to Genesis before sin came into the world and what do we read? The, the man and the woman were walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the presence of the Lord was there and he was talking to them like a man, a woman talks to another human being. This is what it was meant to be like. And it was because of sin that this system was set up. But now because of what Jesus has done, now the system is, is coming down and the system is, is getting broken. And then verse 9. So incredibly beautiful. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priest offered... And this is where it's really interesting to your heart and to your mind and to your soul. Are not able to cleanse the conscience of the people who bring them. For that old system dealt only with food and drink and various cleaning ceremonies. Physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. Last week, a good friend of mine, a preacher, a pastor, he preached a sermon, and I don't want to in any way, and he wasn't in any way wanting to be disrespectful or to make light of any situation. We've just heard about a funeral celebration that we've done in this church this week. But he was talking about how everything goes back into the box in life. Consider the game of Monopoly. Some of us have played that. Some of us have maybe played that over the Christmas holidays and maybe lost family and friends over a game of Monopoly. I, I don't know how intense some of the games get. But in the game of Monopoly, you, you, the, the goal is to get as much property, as much houses and rentals, uh, hotels and build upon that, possessions and cash, and have secrets cash screwed away and hidden, and to get as much as you can, and to basically get ahead of everyone else. And if someone lands in jail, then that's good, but only for a time. You want them to get out of jail so they can land on your property and pay you more money. And you play that game, and you can play with intensity, and you can build up your portfolio. And at one point you can say, I've won the game. But then at the end of the game, you pack up the board, you pack up the car and the shoe and the boot and everything else, and you put it back in the box. And you put the box away. The reality is for all of us, everything goes back in the box. One day there will be a day where we are held to account for what we've done with our lives and our lives will be over and our lives will be done. And everything will be done. And everything will go back in the box. Sobering thought. We are responsible to God for how we live our lives and you are responsible to God for what you will do this year and what you will do for him. Will you love God? Will you love others? Will you seek to fulfill the, the, the commandments of Jesus? To love the Lord your God and to love others? These are the most important things. This, these are the things that last. These are the things that stay One day for all of us, the day will come. And we can pretend there's no God. We can ignore God. 
we can get distracted, we can allow the information to overload us, and we can live a life just as we wish, as if there is no God. And that's the same problem that every human being, ancient and modern, old, contemporary, have all had. Every human being. How have we dealt with that? Throughout the years, people have tried a whole heap of different systems. People have done terrible things in the name of their faith to try to fix their guilty conscience. They've thrown children into rivers in some act of sacrifice. They've had terrible practices throughout the years. People today will spend millions and give millions away to charity and, and they'll spend hours volunteering and things doing this and doing that in some desperate attempt to make up for the fact that they want to work out and make themselves a good person and try to balance the ledger somehow. And you may actually find yourself doing that. You may find yourself being so overloaded with how you feel about yourself and how terrible you feel about yourself and how you feel so unworthy that you just decide to deny, distract and pull away from God altogether. Jesus said it is not what comes out of a person that defiles them but what goes in. You are defiled by attitudes like pride and self-pity and bitterness, last envy, jealousy, covetous, apathy and fear. The answer is not what you can do. The answer is not doing works. The only answer, the only answer is what Jesus has done for us. In a moment or two, I'm going to have a time of prayer and I'm going to invite you and I'm going to encourage you to start off the year right and spend a bit of time just asking God for forgiveness. But I really want, I really want to, for everyone just to understand why. Why, does it, why is it important that we are forgiven? Why is it important that we know we're forgiven? Why is it important that you're not overloaded with guilt? Why is it important? If you're feeling like there's a whole heap of stuff in your life, perhaps the stuff you've done last year, perhaps stuff you've even done in the last few weeks, perhaps there's just sin. It's, it stops you from worshipping God. Your guilty conscience will stop you from experiencing joy in the Lord's presence. You said that the idea of the altar and the Holy of Holies and, and all that was so that you could go into the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there is freedom and there is joy. And if you are feeling unworthy, then you are not going to allow yourself to experience that joy in God's presence. And that's actually what he wants for you for this year. He does not want you to be stuck outside in the outer court. He wants you to be right in the Holy of Holies and in his presence. And the beautiful thing about what Jesus has done is that he invites you into his presence. 
I wonder if there is things that are stopping you from accepting his forgiveness. In 1 John, the apostle writes, If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just. It doesn't say you are faithful and just. It says he is faithful and just. And he will forgive you and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now for me personally, I have to... And I think probably for most of us, that's a daily process. Someone called that verse the Christian's bar of soap. Well, a bar of soap needs to be used every day. So for me, it's understanding that when I wake up in the morning, it's a new day. It's a day to experience again anew and afresh the forgiveness of Jesus. So that, for the purpose that... I can be in his presence with joy. I wonder if there's people here today that won't allow themselves to experience that. I wonder if you're actually, some people here today are saying, oh yeah, that's fine for others, but you don't know what I'm like and I just can't do that. I just can't experience the joy. I just feel so much guilt. I feel so much guilt and I know what I'm like. Well, Jesus knows what you're like too. If that's you this morning, and I, I really feel there are some here today that are like that, I want you to experience some ministry today. I want us all to bow our heads and close our eyes now, just in a spirit of prayer. And I'm going to, in a moment or two, I'm going to say, you are forgiven. <laughs> now, that's not because I can forgive you. That's actually Jesus that will forgive you. But in a moment or two, I'm going to say, you are forgiven. And I can say that with all surety. I know that is true because I know what Jesus has said. And although it's me saying it, I want you to accept it as being from God because you are forgiven. But first, as the scriptures say, why don't we just... Put our hands out in front of us, palm open to heaven. All of us, why don't we do that now? You can raise your hands high, you can have them low, but just, just put your hands out just as an expression of being open now to receiving from God, all of us. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of confession, asking God to forgive you. And I'm going to lead you in that prayer. I'm going to be praying it myself, but I want you to pray it yourself as well. Because I want you to understand that you are forgiven. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that you came to earth and died, shed your blood for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. Lord, I want to say to you right now that I'm fully aware that I am a sinner and I've had moments of pride and anger and lust and apathy, every sin that's mentioned in the Bible. Lord, I'm guilty of all those. Some point. I think back to last year and even the last few weeks, Lord, and the things I've done that I know are offensive to you. Father, I am sorry. 
And I ask you to forgive me now in Jesus' name. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the cross, through what you have done. Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm picturing now this whole church, every one of us walking into that holy of holies and looking at the curtain ripped apart. I'm picturing this whole congregation walking into that room, which is now suddenly large, full of the presence of God. We're crying, we're weeping with joy. All of us are experiencing that joy, that release from that burden. <laughs> we're not worried about the other people in the room, although we're glad they're there. We're glad we are there. The Holy Spirit is ministering to us all, each one, telling us that we are children of the Most High God, that Jesus did it for us. It's beautiful. And this is the moment, particularly for those of you who still haven't understood that you are forgiven and free, a daughter of the King, the son of the King. This is the moment where you are to hear the words of the Lord. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Your sin is gone. And I pray the presence of the Holy Spirit will fill you now. Again, afresh, anew, ready for a, a year where things will be better. Things will be different. Today is a new day for you. Walk in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Know your place. In Jesus' name, amen.